911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Tactical Living podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and we are in day three of three in our three-part series with my good friend, Mr. Mike Demo. Demo, how are you this morning? Not too shabby. Uh, Fun news is uh, Ryan had his first tooth break to surface yesterday. Oh, is he crying a lot? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Bummer. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting. That's actually a a perfect way to start today's show because um, when I first met you, you weren't a father at all. And we're going to kind of go into the journey of where you were based on um, the last episode where we talked about reacclimation into civilian life, your second deployment, pretty much how the the military took their two middle fingers and shoved them up your ass. And um, now we're going to kind of go into a little, a little bit of your personal life. So your business, your failed marriages, um, your, your new marriage, your new baby. So if you want, go ahead and start wherever you'd like. Yeah. It sounds like a really exciting life to have lived, huh? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, it was when we left off, um, I'd got the big green weenie and didn't even get my DD-214 on time for it. So there's no transition training. There's no career training. There's a lot of anger. And you're just trying to find out, all right, well, what what do I do now? I'm 25. I don't have a degree because I've been playing in the desert for the last couple of years. And, like, you feel behind. Um, And I know in the military community, a lot of people feel that way when we go back to school even in our early 20s, you know, it's like Van Wilder, like you're 27. Are you here for a PhD? What are you doing? No, I just got back. Oh, okay. And for me, like just the school and being held up and waiting all that time, I was like, I need to, I need to get out and produce. I don't have any income. As a reservist, especially back then, like there's no basic income, housing allowance. Like a lot of this stuff wasn't a part of the program. So you can go to school, the government will cover mm, half of your tuition, and you still have to figure everything out. So I decided I need to just get back into the workforce. And in 2008, I ran a branch office for Cutco, just like I had in 2006. And I did better. You know, the economy's going down, and uh, I did well. Uh, Won a trip to Cabo, so... Cool. I hadn't been on a vacation in like 15 years at that point. So nice perk, but I was struggling and I would get overwhelmed and then I would get angry. I mean, mind you, I'm working 90 hour weeks and like, it's one of those things actually, you as a coach, you know, for as long as you've been doing, it's like, you know how you just know what to do when somebody presents with a certain situation, like you'll, you'll let them express themselves fully so that you have all the context you need, but there's not much new under the sun. Like we understand what those issues can be. I didn't know any of that back then. Mm-hmm. And like, we'll, we'll get into it potentially a little bit later on in the episode, but like uh, with the Garrett J. White, like the wake up warrior stuff, like with the pay, the cycling, all this stuff, like I was just, just going and I didn't know it. I had, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, big dumb Marine. I'm just going to power through things. And believe it or not, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Um, 
ended up leaving, you know, that industry of direct sales and actually sold mattresses. Weird, random thing. I've done pretty much every job you can imagine. I didn't even know that about you. Yeah. Surprise. Sold beds. Good (laughs) Good morning, Um, guys. You know, but the core skills are still there. Like, why was I a good platoon sergeant? Because I gave a damn. Why was I a good salesperson? Why am I still a good salesperson? It's because I genuinely care about the output and then the outcome for my end user client. That's why I do what I do. But if you don't have everything else, good intentions don't mean anything. And I was stuck in this little box. Like I remember when Obama got inaugurated, I was in a little sleepies that nobody went to, just waiting for somebody to do a sale. And it was depressing. Like I had no control over my outcome in life. So I said to hell with it. I'm going to, you know what? Third time's a charm. I'm going to go out, run a, run that direct marketing business. I cashed in my Roth IRA with all my Iraq money that I'd saved up after it dropped 50% in the crash. Then you pay taxes on it. Whole nother fun thing. But that $4,500 allowed me to start my business. And, you know, I was doing well summer of 2009. Uh, I was a top recruiter. I had I was on track to have doubled what I did the year before, which is awesome, but 100-hour weeks, not sleeping, not having like a wellness program, not taking care of yourself, it it only leads one way, and it led that way. Uh, figured, all right, maybe I just need to change a pace. So I transferred territories to New Jersey, and it just never worked. It completely failed. I was literally crippled with anxiety. I had my office locked because the landlord cashed checks in the wrong order. He was supposed to cash the little check to get me caught up and then cash the full check. He went for the big one and it closed out my account. I didn't have money for gas, for food, for anything. I was like, all right, well, shit, here we are. Never asked if I can cuss on your podcast, but you've got a button for that, I'm sure. The big E? Yeah. Whoopsies. I've never actually used the E on my podcast, so it's about time, I guess. Um, Every single one here. Yeah. Yeah. So it was about that time. Everything was falling down, but I'd reconnected with my girlfriend at the time that had seen me through Iraq and all that and told her flat out, like, if we're doing this, we're getting married. Like, I'm not playing around. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to be married. I want to have kids, have the house. Like, I want that all to start now. You know, it's 2010. I was born in 82, getting kind of old. He said 10 years later. Um, (laughs) Jesus. And it was like, I I just need to restart. So I moved from Jersey back up to my mom's basement. Real glamorous. Needed a job until the wedding. So I worked in uh, a Sears Auto and sold people tires. Did pretty good at it. You know, it's a $5 base pay, 1% commission. I was making almost 20 bucks an hour. But it wasn't edifying. It wasn't anything else. So we get married 2011. We move uh, to Stanford, uh, like two towns over from New York. So there's more opportunity there. And I was working in auto sales at that point, doing really well. I was per unit, like top grossing, um, making good money. And then the conversation came up that, you know, we're not having kids until you have a degree. That matters to me. Hmm. So consecutively, so 2012, we, it's so crazy. 
buy a half a million dollar house and she tells me to leave a job paying $90,000 a year to go back to school. So go back to school and I have a huge fight with my advisor because I transferred uh, credits from my previous college. At that college, I'd left in the middle of a semester to go on a deployment. So I had like a 2.0 GPA. It was solid. <laughs> solid. And like she just looked at me like I was special in some way. Like, no, we're going to start you off in the basics. It's like, honey, no, Rita, I don't have time for this. I'm going to be taking this. <laughs> Her name's Rita. I don't care. Um, Google whatever. <laughs> so I take a full course load. She wanted me to do four. I was like, no, I'm five. Come on. I'm here for work, not for pleasure. And I'm on the Dean's list. The next semester, 18 credits. The next semester, 21 credits. And she argued with me, you can't do that. I was like, well, I'm going to do that. Like trying to get done here. Dean's list again. Hey, by the way, Rita, I'm doing 24 credits this semester. You can't do that. Well, I'm doing that. I'm just notifying you because I need a signature. And if you won't do it, I'll replace you. And again, Dean's list <clears throat> got through it. I just wanted a degree. I wanted to be out of there because I wanted to have kids. So I did three and a half years in 18 months and came out Dean's list like a three, six. And that actually landed me my job at Prudential, which sounds great. Paid 34 grand a year in Connecticut. Not great, but it was the safe job that I was asked to do. And when you're not true and authentic to yourself and you're not sure what you have going on, you do what your spouse wants. You become a servant to somebody else instead of yourself. And as you know, that doesn't work. You know, one of the things our mutual friend Ryan would talk about is, you know, if the king doesn't rise, the kingdom will die or queen in your case. Sorry, Clint. Well, um, I have to stop you there because why be a king when you can be a god? But continue. That's all right. That, that, that's <laughs> um, but, you know, and if you don't know what your path is going to be, you're just trying to get through the best you can. And that's, I mean, even for the people that I've worked with and helped out, that's such a big thing is like, if you don't know what your big, hairy, audacious goal is, like, what what is the reason you wake up and you give a damn in the morning? You're just trying to survive. And that's all I was doing. And it had impact. It had really bad impact on the marriage. Um, you know, we had financial issues because I was making squat at that job. I mean, good news, a couple years later, I'm making triple that. So that's cool. But that stress and that struggle, like I remember coming home and we had an argument because I bought a suit because in a job that paid that much, I needed to wear suits every day. And I bought two suits for 500 bucks. Jose Bank. Yeah, not really great. And we had to have an argument about that because I was spending money on that. And the fact that I couldn't just do that created, like, it made me feel so worthless. And, you know, she's working 100 hours a week um, in investment banking. And then now with what her job is, we never saw each other. There was no date nights. There was no intimacy, none of that. And it all fell apart. So, we went to counseling after months of being sold that we needed to at the first counseling meeting, she said that she wanted a divorce and wanted to move out. So counseling. So you started this by taking this really bright flashlight and shining it in an area that I never considered before. And it's, it's one that you shared, but I would also imagine that so many people getting out of the military 
also feel, and you said that getting out of the military, you felt like you were so behind and you served twice. So that's a long span of time to then come back and be even further behind in your mind. And then you have somebody who is probably one of your only links of support that you want to marry. And you kind of laid out this foundation and put on your man pants and said, I'm, I want to get married. I want to start a family. This is yeah. my thing. You get married, you do the thing. And it says, you know what, despite you making really good money, you're going to quit your job and go back to school because we're not having kids until you did it, get a degree. Mm-hmm. We have um, somebody raising their hand in their comments saying ex-wife servant 11 years. I finally got out. So tell us what, what was the next step in your path? Well, the next step in my path was a lot of booze, a lot of womanizing, um, not being a great human being whatsoever, showing up to work because I had to, didn't give a damn about anything that I was doing. So managed to get promoted, but it was it was a mess. It was a wreck. And, you know, like I, I, when I sent you the text about what I wanted to talk about, it's like some people hit rock bottom and... I found rock bottom and just skidded along the bottom of it over and over and over again um, until I met Lauren, uh, met her in 2015 while I was still going through the divorce process. And she's the one that made me delete all the apps. So that tells you everything you need to know about her. She's awesome. And, you know, it was just a reclamation project at that point. You know, the abandonment feelings I discussed in previous episodes, you lose your wife. And then you have to move from the neighborhood where you've set down roots to go live in a crappy ho- uh, apartment in the middle of, you know, just this disgusting area in Connecticut. Like it's a complete reclamation project at that point. And she saw me through it to her credit. And that's when I started to get my shit together. Not fully. Like there are still years of me regressing, still trying to work through everything, going to therapies, doing couples counseling with your girlfriend. People don't normally do that, but it was like, we're committed to making this work. So we did all those things. And, you know, I'm still going through the cycling where it's not great. You know, I'm not where I need to be. I still feel behind. And a podcast honestly saved my life. Uh, Drinking Bros podcast, not to cross promote podcasts, but it's a similar community. And like, these are guys that had the same whacked sense of humor that I did that like just gave no F's and like, it made me feel like I wasn't the only one and that I had the ability to be successful. So 2018 spring cleanup, I'm hammered working outside and turn off drinking bros on tune in. Cause I was an Android guy and I saw this podcast, 15 minutes to freedom. And I'm not a podcast guy. I just, Drinking Birds was the only podcast, but I started to listen to it and was like, wow, this guy's life was pretty jacked up and like, he's figured things out. Like this resonates with me, like just no holds barred. Here's what it is. And I, I decided to reach out because like, well, this shit is not going well for me. I'm trying, but it keeps going over and over and over again. And I, that's when I hired my first coach, um, Ryan and it was a lot of work, but that's when I started to see some success is when I invested in myself and it's been taking a while. Like I did a one-on-one, you know, immersion training with him in Ohio. I did two rounds of coaching with him and then I backslid, you know, we decided, Laura and I decided to get married last year 
So I had to sell my house, which means I had to renovate my house to get some money out of it. And when you're in a pinch, you revert back to your bad habits. So I did. I started drinking more again. And yeah, I mean, it totally backslid, got the house taken care of, moved the house, found out she was pregnant, by the way. Um, And now, you know, April of this year, we're in the new house here and it's time to get it back up and running. You know, like you can't allow yourself to continue to cycle. You have to be aware that something's not right and ask for the help. You know, that's why both of us, we got that book from Andy Frisella. You know, let's learn from other people so that we can get the additional skills we need and then start to work on it. So I truncated a lot because I know we're both really at a hard stop at half an hour, but that's where I went through. And it's not easy. This is not a glamorous story, but when you refuse to quit, when you refuse to actually pull the trigger when the gun's in your mouth, that's when you start to progress and elevate from, you know, ground zero. Yeah. And um, that's a really good question. That's actually the same exact question that I I had in mind too. How do you keep yourself from that backslide? You've gone through this cycle more than once. You know what it's like. How do you, how do you stop yourself from reverting back? So there's a lot of tools you can use. There's, you know, having structure in your day, which I personally need a lot of, it helps me just because I come from a chaotic background in general, you know, split custody, half the week at my mom's, half the week at my dad's, like I've never had like a solid foundation. So I've never known what that feels like. And when I was at my best, you know, not to use jargony stuff, but when I was doing my core four, when I was doing those things and I was providing structure to my life, that's when I was the most successful. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that to bit complicated when you have a five-month-old, been been a little bit of a challenge, but, you know, even doing this podcast with you, that's getting you back on track, because the good thing is you still know the techniques, the habits, and the skills, so it's just, instead of getting kicked in the dick, it's kicking yourself in the dick, or associated female parts, (laughs) and getting yourself back on track, you know, it's, it's easier to check out and quit than it is to survive. But it's like, you're not put on this planet to, you know, put a pistol in your mouth and pull the trigger. That's not what any of us were made for. We're made for a purpose. And what you mentioned, God's I'm more of a natural person, you know, connected to nature. Uh, But there is a purpose for you. If you go out and find it, you know, one of the, things that I hear a lot is there's people a lot dumber than you making a lot more money than you do that are a lot happier than you are. And the reason is because they do the things they need to be successful. And it's just being brutally aware. Like I've gone through counseling so many times through the VA who, by the way, said, oh yeah, you don't have bipolar like in 2009, but you can't go back in because there's no waiver for it. I'm going to pause you for a second, because for anybody who didn't pick up on that, Demo is actually 
kicked out of the military because he was diagnosed with having um, bipolar disorder, other mental health issues. And what he just said was that he was later reevaluated and he he definitely does not have that. So go back and check out that last episode if you haven't already. And um, yeah, Brian, but you rose above it all. And no, no, you're not. Absolutely. So Dima, I know we're both pressed for time, but I really want to ask this question because there, what you just made mention of was um, you, you have all the tools and now you just need to practice the fucking discipline and get yourself back there. So where does this go from here? Where Where is your, your five-year plan, let's say, because your life is so different from even me first meeting you. You you have so much skill and attribute because not only were you in the military, but you fought in a war and going through in more than one marriage and going through these cycles of just self-evaluation and self-discovery and you being a dad to little baby Ryan and, and getting a new house. Like there's so much momentum that's going on in your sphere of influence. So what happens next? What does it look like five years down the road for you? Five years down the road, living in my purpose is being able to help people. You know, if you go back through the last two episodes, you probably see it. Like when I talk about, you know, the sales reps that I had that like helping them grow and develop, helping my uh, platoon mates develop, helping even now with Ryan, like helping him learn how to do things. I mean, the kid can stand up, like he'll topple over like a drunken sailor, but he can stand. <laughs> He's been doing that since three months old. Like where I feel the most edified is helping people. And it's ironic in my, call it the womanizing period of time, um, the reason I did so well with this mug is because I can see people's pain. Like I, I can tell just by looking at somebody what's going on. Like I'm very empathetic in that way. And it's helped me be a very good coach. Um, it also helped with those other things. And my job in life is to help other people push through. You know, if you look at the Claire Graves hierarchy, I'm not, you know, tangerine orange or whatever those next levels are always creating are but there's always somebody and this is important for your folks as well is even if you don't feel like you've evolved if you've put in some work there's somebody that's behind you that you can pull up and bring with you and as a coach that's what you do so my five-year mission is to evolve myself so that i can help more and more people be successful a byproduct of that is i'm going to be emancipating lauren from work so that she can do the most important job that there is. We've had the conversation, especially nowadays, kids need parents. And especially if it's in the home, that matters. That's a noble profession. Like I'm okay if you know, a woman wants to go out and like my ex-wife probably makes half a million dollars a year before bonus. Like, and I fully supported that. That's your path, that's great. You know, our path with Ryan is we want him. So sorry, I should mention not coach Ryan, son Ryan. We want him to have a great childhood. I'm not going to hand him everything, but I want him to have that solidarity in the household that I didn't have and that, you know, Lauren struggled with as well. But the only way I can do that is through creating genuine good for a large amount of people. So that's why I'm moving back into the coaching. That's why the podcast, that's why the things that I do is so that I can help other people be successful in order for me to be successful. So five years from now, I don't know if I have a cool tribe like yours or what that looks like, but I'll be coaching people 
my focus a lot is in business just because I've been there and I've screwed it up enough where I know what usually needs to happen. So doing coaching, training, and at some point emancipating myself from a corporate job because I don't like corporate jobs. They suck. Not a fan. Uh, so you don't know this, but we have Mr. Brian K. Bishop here. He's created his own news station here in our group. So oh. WBKB TV, we don't limit time. That's very kind of you. And I wish that um, you could give the both of us more so we could spend more of it together, Demo. And um, Demo, you are one amazing man and have created so much. I love it, brother. And I think that is the perfect way to kind of wrap this up because there's there's so much strength and beauty in your vulnerability and um, no tribe, no reservation <laughs> for sure. Um, and most people don't come to the surface and bring these things, especially having served in the military and in, in the depth that you have. A lot of people are not privy to the information that you've been able to, to gift us with. And not only that, but the lessons and the heartache and the difficulty that has rested on the backside of that. And most importantly, how you've been able to grab that and then overcome it. And although you have overcome it, you, you understand that you're still in this cycle and sometimes um, we, we lose track and we lose focus of actually having those tools in our hands sometimes, but we, we know how important as coaches it is to be able to pick them back up and to get the fuck back on track. And um, the cool thing about being a coach and having coaches as friends is that we hold each other accountable. So you can definitely make sure that I will be checking in and kind of poking you with a stick a little bit harder now. And it's been a three part series. This is the first one that I've ever done like this. And it was so much fun to be able to learn more about you and to gain insight into your story demo. And I just want to thank you so, so much. And um, yeah, I can't wait to do this again and to see what happens in the next five years. No, I'm excited for it too. Uh, I appreciate all the work you're doing for everybody. Absolutely. Have a good day. All right. Bye, okay. everybody.